I've been here many times before and I've never been defeated and still I will never be defeated. It's Jay. And this is Chuck. What's up, everyone? I greet you in Magazole Mapimpi is a national treasure who needs to be protected. Shout out to that man for making it all the way to the Springboks with the background that he has. My name is Jay. I am not by myself. I am joined by Chuck. What's up, Chuck? What's up, people? Um, to up front, we're back. It's been a couple of weeks, but we're back. We're here. And it's feeling a little wrong because now is shy. You know why we came to record today. But in the black and white jersey from Soweto, there is some comfort. Na na na, Chuck. Na na na, Chuck. Uh, no, we're too upfront, bro. We're not just EPL. <laughs> we, we are global, boy. All right, all right. Get to the match. Get to the match that everyone wants to hear about, that I want to talk about. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I mean, I'm fine. Man. <laughs> <laughs> are you really? Are you really? <laughs> So, ah. my breakdown of the match is, before even going to heavy topics, Arsenal were the better side, but they weren't amazing. So, and I can't wow, remember seeing you just going to so, lead with that? I mean... you just going to lead with Arsenal weren't had, amazing? But you really have been out. I'll tell you this. Um, and I know when you've never been a fan of Oli since the day his name was in the ballot box to be chosen as a candidate. Well, I'll tell you, on the other hand, now, obviously, not not to say that I haven't seen it, but it's been a couple of months later now, and I can see what I can see his imprint. I can see the way he wants his team to play because for for, for heaven's sake, El Neni is even like playing the best I've ever seen him play. It's a it's a it's a, a formation, a shape, a culture, or an identity or a style that involves everyone. Although, I mean, I, I'll I'll tell you this a bit later. It has drawbacks. So if you've missed it, we're talking about Arsenal beating Manchester United because Chuck, for some happy. reason, is reluctant to say this is what happened yesterday as per this recording. Don't and I here we are today. What did you make of United's performance? I'm not reports. We don't need to talk about what happened. We just need to break it down. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, the performance was, was you know, um, Skull said something um, interesting um, post-match. Well, not, not post-match, half-time. Because they asked him to Man United look flat and all that stuff. And he was like, well, against Leipzig, they played exactly the same. Smash to score five goals. We just didn't win the match. And what I make of specifically the match United against Arsenal is, was, was, was a bad day to be a United fan. There was nothing to look forward to. There was nothing inspiring, nothing amazing. No one, no one, no one played a good game. No one at all played a good game. And so... Like I want, I want to give credit to Arsenal, but also I can't neglect the fact that Ars- um, United didn't show up. So it was a boring game, and I told you from halftime, Muguti, we we might steal it if we want it, because we we wouldn't show heart, we wouldn't show determination, we didn't want to win the game. And I was saying to a friend of ours, because Chelsea won um, three four nil midweek, three nil, oh we midweek won- four, four four nil midweek, we won five nil, but the weekend before we played out to a goalless draw, and I was like. What a, what a stupid and boring game. Our teams have goals in them, but when we play each other, we're going to play Polanyan El Nyako, the safe football, which we don't want to get beat. And I don't know, man. I, th- I think we, we, we came up with a similar kind of attitude while playing at home. I know I'm ranting for a while, but I mean, dude, we're at home. We're supposed to take the impetus. The onus is upon us to attack, to take the... I mean, for the first 15 minutes, Arsenal took the game to us. We didn't have a reply. We didn't have a response. We didn't even have an idea on what to do. Which is funny because we played a similar formation midweek, so you might assume Uti, this is what should work. In my opinion, a four four two is United's best formation against the bigger teams for me, because one, you won't you won't say, and I know it's not the best example in, in terms of this game to to point this out, but you won't say Pog was not working enough because he's got help in the midfield. When you've got an extra boy running around and you've got a Fred and a McTominay, it it should free Pogba up and, and Bruno to play against the, the bigger teams. We, we are more compact and we have more, more bodies in midfield because people play 4-3-3. But it's too late. You're ranting. You're allowed to rant. 
<laughs> you are allowed to rant. <laughs> Hurt, pain, does these things to people. <laughs> you know what? My my assessment of Manchester United was uh, was a shocking performance. I was concerned as an Arsenal fan because I've seen Arsenal go to Old Trafford and have a good performance, actually be the better team on the night, but then come away with a draw. Mm. You know, you find McTominay scores a blinder and I haven't seen him score a goal since that goal against Arsenal. And 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 the spoils are shared. But last night, United had 10 minutes, probably, beginning of the second half, 10-minute, 15-minute period, where they looked like they were interested in playing. And then right after that, the game went back to the pattern that was established in the first half where Arsenal were on the front foot. Arsenal were a little more adventurous, which should actually be concerning for Manchester United because the way that Arteta sets up, seemingly that Arsenal team prefers to play on the counter or they prefer for, especially at the homes of the bigger teams, that the bigger teams will come at them it will be a little more open and they'll try pass it around the teams. We saw we saw how successfully that worked against Manchester City in the FA Cup. It also worked successfully against um, Liverpool as well in the Community Shield and in the last home game against um, Liverpool in the previous season. But Arsenal come into this game off of the game against Leicester, which quite frankly, we're a little unlucky to lose, but again, it was a game where Arsenal were not creating many chances. Same thing in actually in this match against United where Arsenal were the better team, mm. but they were not necessarily blowing United off the pitch. And I kept on waiting for United to respond because it's not as if United were overwhelmed. You know, mm. if you compare, for example, to the game against Leipzig, the first, the first half, the first quarter of the game, I felt that Leipzig were over United. They were aggressive in their pressing. You saw Per McCartney, he was he was running in, in, in into midfield. And actually then what happened in that game is I think they tied themselves out mm. and United just picked them off. The old, the other thing that you found in that particular match is that Fred was involved in every single goal. He was everywhere, he was energetic, he was the one who was giving the impetus to United. He was not that same force in the game against Arsenal. And the United midfield entirely should be ashamed of themselves because they were played by El Nene. El Nene had a, a, a wonderful game, but I, I don't think that United should have El Nene looking like prime Patrick Vieira out there. Not at all, man. Thomas Partey, you understand, because Thomas Partey is being party. I mean, you, you see the man's intelligence and his ability on the ball. El Nene, from the first time I saw him in Arsenal shirt, I was like, Le is a bit suspect. And the guy keeps going out on loan for, for a reason, yeah. you know? And somehow, somehow he's gotten into the team and Ozil's out the team. And has. <laughs> I'm going to rant again You're about this. You're such an Ozil fanboy. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to rant about this. But you're totally right, man. If you look at Bruno Fernandes and the hype around his name before he even came to, 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 to the club, and when he then came into the club and, as they say, transformed United's form, you look at Paul Pogba and, and the gifts and the talents that he has, and uh, you look at Fred, Fred McTominay from the, like three days ago, you come into this game and you're pretty confident. Dude. Okay, fine. Especially with what we, what I just say, stated, we've got four midfielders at the very least in 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 the, in the engine room, and for none of them, not even one of them, to put their hand up and say, "I'm willing to die for this team," or "I'm gonna drag this team to a win," it is embarrassing because then if they're not scoring, if they're not scoring or they're not performing, Rashford or Greenwood don't get the ball, then Sterling open. I mean, in the entire game, United fashioned. Honestly, just that one chance where Rashford um, puts in a pass for Greenwood. Greenwood hits it on target and it's saved by Leno. Other than that, they were not penetrative. Other than that, they did not present a threat at all. And when you look at the team that Solskjaer put out, you wonder to yourself, where were the goals supposed to actually come from? Where was the attacking impetus supposed to come from? Because he's playing with four central midfielders right they they are narrow they're playing a diamond they're narrow they've got no width the only width that's going to be provided for you is by the fullbacks the fullbacks that united have are not necessarily the best attacking fullbacks in the world one Pesaka is a wonder he's one he honestly is one of my favorite players at united just because of what he does on the defensive end of of, of the game you can put him on an island with any attacker and he's going to shut them down and then you've got Shaw on the other side. But Wan-Bissaka, we know his struggles going forward. Mm. Then you've got Shaw on the other side, who 
later on in the game when United were then trying to rescue the game, he was he was he was allowed, I want to say he was allowed to go a bit more further forward. And honestly, he had the beating of Bellerin. I don't know why he wasn't attempting that like more often in the game, but as we've seen with Shaw, the reason that Telles has been brought into this team is because Shaw does have the ability to get into the last third, but when he gets there, he produces a dud. So you look at the team and you wonder to yourself, okay, who was supposed to be the creative forces in this in this game? Because, as I said, Bruno was nowhere to be seen um, in that game. Pogba was out on the left, and I'll get into Pogba, actually, because I, I, I cannot believe, I cannot believe the performance that Paul Pogba is putting out on the field. Partly the coach is to blame for that, but he 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 has a lot to to take on himself as well. But you know you know what? Nah, I, I I get the frustration with Paul, Paul Pogba, the talent, the ability, World Cup winner, he was amazing at Juve and all that stuff. Came back at a world record fee and his expectations and stuff. But oftentimes for me, I've never seen a performance where people are like United was on fire except for Paul Pogba. It's always been that United were bad and Paul Pogba, and oftentimes he gets singled out. I don't know what Popo was doing on the left because he didn't do anything going forward for the team. Nothing. He was out there conceding a penalty. Amen. Because apparently he was tired. Because <laughs> he he just Stupid gone on a run. I think that was just him trying to sound as honest as he can and be media savvy. I don't know. He should have just said I messed up and that's it. Because talking about detail and just going about things that you don't know what to in mind. But I want to say something and and and. This is me now saying to the the Ole shine is it's coming off a bit for me. Um, not that he had much glory, and I know I'm saying this in your presence. When you thought he was not supposed to be there in the first place, but in fact, let me let me uh, first explain <clears throat> my mindset and my thought process when I speak about Ole. Right, Ole gets appointed for the job. Right, he was a candidate, and when they were going through candidates, all of us were thinking Pochettino is the obvious choice. He's available to get him. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, Ole gets the job. Ole goes on a 12th game and beaten run. And at the, I think at the, at the, at the culmination of that run is the win against PSG. Ole gets a permanent contract. That's three years. I think that was done hastily, but hey, Ole's there, right? And then United go on a 12th game winless run, which is horrible. But then Ole gets his first full season. And after that, we finished third. We made semifinals. He's made signings that improved the team. And my thinking is this, we are in a better position than we were before. And if you look at the, the position we finished uh, in last season and our record against the big sides, Ali proved me wrong in terms of what I thought he was capable of doing. So I'm one who's going to cut him slack and say, well, fine, kick on from here and let's see what you can do because I've been writing you off all along and you've been proving me wrong. So I can't just keep kicking you when you're doing more than what I thought you would do. But what you've been pointing out is becoming clear he's a motivator he's a good man manager but tactically and you see that because Arsenal man for man are nowhere near United nowhere near United but Arsenal can outplay United just because of tactical formation just because of shape and because they believe in a particular way of playing what I saw on Saturday is that and I know it happens in each and every other game but when you watch United Maguire has the ball, Lindelof has the ball, they put their foot on the ball and they start pointing. Go there, open up here, go there. The ball gets to Bruno, ball gets to Pogba. He's pointing, go there, go there, go there. One, that says the players, they don't have cohesion. They don't know what to do when they have the ball. Two, it means that we're playing a hell of a slow game if we're still telling people where to go. Whereas look at Arsenal, they slick and quick passing. That's how they were, they were, they were hurting United. They made us run and they made us work. Sure enough, they didn't do much with the ball in terms of an attacking threat. But they dominated the game by sheer playing a quick game and having a good understanding of what they're supposed to do. Arsenal were comfortable on the ball. They were they were way too comfortable if you are United, especially especially in that midfield. A shout out to Thomas Party. As I've admitted to you before, I didn't quite see him often enough with um, Atletico. Mm. But he comes into this Arsenal team uh, and he comes into a position where Arsenal have had a dearth since the departure of Patrick Vieira and there's been calls throughout the years to get someone who's strong, someone who's who's confident, someone who can boss that midfield and in the Canadian, Arsenal seem to have landed on that player because mm. in yesterday's game for example there was there was there was a patches of play where he loses the ball to Pogba and you see him coming back into the screen to win it 
off of him before Pogba can do anything. I'm like this 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 guy mm. is the guy that you need. You know, I when I when I when I was when I was watching that Arsenal performance, I don't think um Thomas Party is quite uh Roy Keane in terms of his his boisterous, his vocal and his his that presence. Mm. But what he may he may lack in that regard, and this is what you want from your leaders. You either want someone who's 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 a talker, you know, someone who has a voice that when he speaks everyone is going to listen and they're going to follow him if it's not that you want then the person to lead by example you you need leaders on a team you need those kind of pre- presence where they go in a particular direction they set the tone and the team follows and party seems to be the kind of player who can actually set that tone because other than the fact that he was he was recovering balls he was cutting off balls that were passed into channels he was also the guy who was who went who's dribbling past players he mm. when he's got the ball at his feet he looks he's got so much swag and he's he looks like he's got so much confidence and then you partner that up with Gabriel the back mm. Arsenal who are a team who notoriously have not signed many players and when they have they have messed it up um just see Pepe for 70 million for 70 million <laughs> this off season they get Thomas party and they and, and they get Gabriel as well Gabriel last night was I was a little nervous watching his performance because he is uber aggressive. He, I honestly think he he got away with 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 staying in that game far longer than he probably should have. Mm. Because and you could see from minute 1 where it looked like he was tossed to to track Rashford when he was going into the midfield and when Rashford was on the ball he was behind him he was he was kicking at his feet obviously trying to win the ball but if he doesn't win the ball make sure that he knows that you're there, you know? And he got a yellow card for his efforts at some point, but he is the defender also that Arsenal have been have been needing. He is that presence, that rock at the back that Arsenal have been needing, and they've got that. When I look at that performance overall, I think it was a solid performance. It wasn't a, a great performance. It wasn't something which you're going to remember five years from now. But it did the job. Arsenal won at Old Trafford for the first time in 13 years, 14 attempts. And one away against traditional big six side for the first time in five years. These are the things that are happening with these recruitments. These are the things that are happening with Arteta at the helm. And in 40 games of Arteta, there is more of a imprint, as you said, more of a DNA and a plan and an outlook on what is happening than in the 100 games with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. It's never one to chance. That's what's happened there at Old Trafford. What's but- the, who's, who's most to blame, though? Man, for what is happening at that's, United that's, that's a that's a tough thing to answer but I want to first then maybe point at the coach as I'm saying the shine is wearing off a bit because tactically he's, he's not he's not there he's not high up there um, and if you look at the options that were available and what we have um, see the thing about the thing about the United performance is that it's familiar it's not a one-off thing. It's familiar. United switch on. I mean, Angelino <laughs> said this, but he said it on the wrong day, apparently. Ogoti, hey, one day United are all-class, the next day they're average. And they did exactly that. It's frustrating. 5-0 against Leipzig, and they're nowhere against Arsenal. And that must be the manager's fault. You you can't... I mean, Roy Keane said, Ogoti, <laughs> I don't go to the coach and say, hey, motivate me. <laughs> He he's been motivated since he was eight or nine. <laughs> apparently, he's never needed a coach to motivate him. Keen being keen, but the, tr- the truth of the matter is, you can't have a persistent pattern that's negative throughout your your, your tenure as, as as manager and say what you're going forward. Because one thing that he did say that I agree with, Wuti, people were saying United has turned the corner, and he's like, that's a very long corner then because Bafian on the other side. <laughs> you know what I mean? But. I think this this whole thing about motivating play, players it's a very tricky thing because they looked flat, they looked like they were not interested in winning the game. But they did the same thing against Chelsea as well. But they were up for the PSG game, they were up for the Leipzig game, which is very weird. And it's weird because this whole thing that a coach must 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 um, motivate players comes from somewhere. It's not unique to, to United and Oli. It comes from somewhere, which coaches must have been doing it and coaches have been expected to do it. But at the same time, if what what... And I keep saying, Uti, former United players do protect goals a lot. They will tell you, Uti, players must play for the badge, they must play for the country, uh, sorry, the club, the tradition, and all that other stuff that they keep uh, mentioning. But end of the day, I think, first and foremost, let's blame Oli, because, like I said, Uti, when you're going against someone with less 
money than you in terms of transfer activity, someone who's got less talent than you, and you still get outplayed, there must be something wrong tactically. Two, the players must be to blame themselves because you're in 15th coming to this game. You desperately need a win. You desperately need a home win. And you guys still don't show up. You were thrashed by Tottenham. You don't show up. You were held by Tottenham. You don't show up. And it's one of those things with the guys, who wants it? Do, do you actually want to win? And it's, it's a weird thing talking about motivation and stuff because you, you as a supporter, you, you're expecting, I mean, we, we don't support half-heartedly. We might do when we're frustrated. But when you're paid to do a particular job, you can't, you can't go in there half-hearted and then, Tina, we want to back you. So maybe, maybe, maybe most of the blame is ended early, but the players do not escape any of that as well. You know what? Inevitably, you would think I'd say Oli as well. Mm. But I kind of feel bad just kicking on a man when he's down because he's, he shouldn't be in the job. And I'm going to go with the board. I'm going to go with the board and I'm going to go with the former United players. First of all, with the board. Mm. So numbers for what United made in the last financial year came out. United made, to be expected, less than they did in the previous year um, by 60 million, I think. And yet, the Glazers took home the same amount as they did in the previous financial year. So, first and foremost, those guys who own United are in it for their pockets. We know this, this is true, and this has not changed. I also blame the board because they are the ones who are keeping Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in his job. Because if I can see it, if the world can see that this man is not qualified to be the coach of the biggest team in the world, then the guys who actually make the appointments and the firings, why can they not see it? Particularly because Oli has gone to them and said very clearly, this is the player I want, Sancho. Literally, the, the United buying list consisted of Sancho at the top and there were a lot of blank spaces and whoever else then, if you can manage to get those people. But the target was this particular player. And in the in the game last night, when I see him playing with the diamond and playing with central midfielders and playing there, I'm I'm thinking to myself, sure, my Marshall's out because of suspension, but that game was crying out for a Sancho. It was crying it was crying out for a wide player. And they did try get uh Dembele from Barcelona. They wanted him on a loan. Barcelona wanted to swindle them and sell them a player who we don't know if he's gonna stay <laughs> healthy. But in the little I've seen of Dembele, it would have been a coup if they would, would have actually gotten him because if that boy is healthy, he's he's a bloody good player. Mm. So it's the board for me because they're reluctant to fire Oli. And it's the former players because, as you rightly point out, these guys, friends of Oli, former teammates, keep talking about the problems at United, but they never pinpoint that it's Oli. They speak around the issue, but mm. they're not going to come out and say it's the manager. Whereas you've seen a Gary Neville, for example, on, on TV, speaking about managers of other clubs, that this guy's a problem, and he probably they should probably think about changing um, the manager. But these guys are not saying that. And the reason I say that they're also to blame is because they're not just fans like you and I. They actually mm. have influence. When they go on national TV, they are speaking not only as people who are monitoring the situation from from their couches they actually know what is happening at united they're actually speaking to people in at united so their voices carry weight and if they are not calling out what they what is blatant to see that the coach should not be in his position then the 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 owners and the board probably feel a pressure to continue in, in entrenching him in his position to appease those former players fair point and i think if ever all it needs to be sacked, it needs to be now. You don't want to do it like Mourinho where you're halfway through the season and you're just now saving face. If you still want to challenge for top four, you still want to go for cups, do the shake-up now. But before we move on, so I've, I saw Arteta play his DNA and all that stuff against United. And as I'm watching that, I'm like, there's little service for Lacazette, little service for Aubameyang. And it's no wonder the last time he scored was on the opening day of the league. Oh, brother, I wonder what you're going to talk about now. I want to ask you that this new new way, this is not necessarily hurting Arsenal. Because uh, Aubameyang is not going to play, he's not going to score those numbers that he scored before. Because Aubameyang played this swashbuckling, fast football, all, 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 all players forward at, at Dortmund. He came to Wenger and they played the similar style. Emery tried to do his own version of that. Arteta's changed that completely. And that's why there's no room for people like Ozil because 
all he has is hard workers. It's almost like a Liverpool midfield. You have your El Nenis, you've got your Partey, you've got your Luis Nelsons. People are just going to run and go and go and go. And there's no space for anyone to create goals. Does that not ha- hurt or harm Aubameyang or, or Arsenal's goal, goal threat? So, to defend Arteta, they <laughs> there's no one to do that job. Because Arsenal, Arsenal were, were looking to sign our from Lyon. And ultimately, that broke down, as we understand, because the player decided to stay at Lyon, which is a strange thing, but that's what happened. And there isn't, there isn't then that player who is creative, that player who's going to break down defenses, who's going to be providing those passes through the channels where Aubameyang can run behind the defenders and convert and score goals. That's in defense of Arteta. But Arteta is not perfect. And to criticize him, which I will do right now, I don't understand what he keeps doing with Aubameyang, playing him on the wings and not playing him centrally. He doesn't play him centrally because in the one game against City, he was playing William through the middle and William was horrendous. By the way, it's going to be a long three years with William in that Arsenal team because he's there and he's going to play. And I don't think he should play because he does not give you anything. But if it's not William, then it's Pepe. That's, that's the option. Do you know what? At this point, at this point, honestly, I, I would rather go for Pepe than William. Even in the oh, game against yeah. United, it, hey, it, Chuck, no. Chuck, even in the game against United, as I've pointed out, that I United mean, were narrow. There was no one on the wing. There were, Pogba was on, on, on the left of, Un, of, of United's team, which means that's, that's the position where, which Pepe was going to be in. Pepe was going to be isolating Shaw more often than not. Bellerin as well would have actually gone to play because the player was predominantly focused on the left-hand side of Arsenal. Mm. And that has been actually a trend where we are playing on the side of, of, of Tierney and Saka and Aubameyang also then dressed towards that side. There's not much coming from the other side, particularly when William is playing on the other side. But Donna, we just said it to Pepe is a way is like a bad signing. How is he then a better signing than someone? You He's better than William, though. He, what I'm saying is not. I'm, I'm not saying that Pepe has suddenly become this brilliant signing that he has to be in the team. Come with me. If there were better options, believe me, I'd be calling for 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 Pepe not to be in the team. In my in my in my estimation, if Saka was comfortable comfortable on on the right hand side, I'd want him to play there, and want to, and Martinelli comes back to play then on the left. But Saka does not seem to be the kind of winger who wants to come inside and shoot off of his no, favorite left foot. He rather wants to play more like a traditional winger where he's crossing from 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 the left hand side. So because the options on on the right are Pepe or Willian. My goodness, give me anyone but William. And the other thing, the other criticism of Arteta is that he insists on playing Lacazette. He's making room through the middle for Lacazette because Lacazette is supposed to do the things that do not quite show up on in, 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 on on the box sheet. If he's not scoring, it's fine as long as he's pressing, as long as he's he's also trying to retrieve the ball, as long as he's holding it up and bringing other players into it. You know what? I am I'm sick and tired of these guys who are playing who are in teams and particularly strikers and their main job is not to score goals. What the hell? His main job is a striker, but he's there to defend and to press and, and to help hold the shape. No, screw that. Like I said, needs to be on the bench and he needs to be sold as well at some point. And Obama Yang needs to be playing through the middle. And we need a creative force who's then going to who's going to unlock him and, and, and unlock his potential to score goals because at the moment he scored a penalty in the game against United but he's he's on a bit of a dry run. Like I, I say this because Arsenal had so much of the ball but they weren't hurting United in terms of okay, no. Masik Dala they're going to open them up with the pass Masik Dala there's going to be um, an, over, uh, uh, an overlapping run or counter-attack or whatever. You guys just had the ball. And the thing is you guys have a lot of hard workers in your midfield and I think that works for Liverpool because they've got the the, the Manes and the Salas and the Firminas up front. And the wingbacks. And the wingbacks. Mm-hmm. So then that, that those guys can be the engine and run and not necessarily create anything. They, they've got other ways of doing that. But Klopp then wanted to, to add another facet to the team and so he signed Thiago to not have them one-dimensional. What does Oteta do? He doesn't register Ozil for the season. <laughs> I, nah, I need to say this. That, that's not right. I mean, Awa didn't... Our didn't agree to come to Arsenal. You've got a creative player. You don't play that player. 
Please tell us the truth to It's not a footballing reason. Stop telling us your conscience is clear. Maybe the board made a decision and you must just n- just nod your head. Ozil must play because you have no other options. Aubameyang is not going to score. You, you guys will, will look good and you'll eke out results. But I don't think that's the Arsenal that we've come to love. And maybe yeah, you must go through hard times to, to eventually blossom into the team that Arteta will eventually build. But I won't mind you. I mean, yeah... I, I lost and I kind of I can't say much, but when I look at the Arsenal team, I'm like, "Shall I want to blind?" It's an issue that keeps coming up. Um, the reason the reason Arsenal games are one nil, nil nil, one nil, whether we win or we lose, and low scoring affairs is because of the fact that Arteta seemingly in organizing Arsenal to be a better defensive team, where we don't have the issues where we are soft, um, we don't have the issues where we are vulnerable, is he sacrificed attack um for that and long term if arsenal are gonna win the very big prizes we can't continue playing this way we can't continue just soaking up pressure or when we have the ball at feet we're passing it around sure but Mm. it's at a very slow pace there is a lack of creativity and sure we do have an option on the team who's getting paid three hundred fifty thousand pounds a week but he is he has not been registered to play and Arteta says it's because his attitude ah, is man, not right no, because man, he's no, not training man. right ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Uzil now is on Twitter live tweeting the games that Supporting Arsenal are playing people. in this, and it's embarrassing for the us. team you know, there's something they're not telling us dog there's there's, there's there's a there's a beef that is going on unlike <laughs> Messi who he seemingly Uzil is not is 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 not vocal in that way where he's just going to come out and and bash um, the Arsenal board and, and the coach. I can't wait to read his autobiography one of these days and come to the chapter where this has happened in his life. But there's something happening there because of the fact that, as I'm saying, he is drawing attention to himself and the fact that he's not playing because he's tweeting before games and during games and he's coming out and saying, well, Arsenal are letting go of an employee because they can't afford to pay him. And he's coming in and saying he's going to be the one who's going to be paying him out of his own pocket. And then he's taking like bonuses in no fault of his own because Arsenal signed the contract and his contract is running out and you would think well if you're paying this guy more than any other player on the team why don't you just utilize him I mean there's a beef there and then you hear Arteta say no I failed Ozil failed him how <laughs> tell us <laughs> did you even try because here's the thing man Jay Uguti, certain players are being repurposed in terms of their, their input or what they can do or what they can bring to the team to fit the DNA. Unjawuti can't get Ozil to at least track back or whatever. He can't get that into him for the sake of creativity. Because there's a clear void arsenal. I've creativity. And I tell you, if Aubameyang gets to 10 goals this season, he would have done well. You know what? You, that's true. With, with the addition of Thomas Partey, with the addition of Gabriel, with that solidity there, I also kind of think at this point, I, you know me. I've never really been a big fan of Uzel. Um, I, I feel like he was signed to be the talisman, and he did that for maybe a season or two, but was never quite that guy. The same problems that United experienced with Pogba is what I was experiencing of Uzel. But the fact that he's there and his contract is running out, um, and and you're paying the guy, if he's if he's going to be in the team, and there's the issue that um, he's not going to be working hard enough. And I think one of the things that are that that Arteta wants from his team, he doesn't want to carry passengers. He doesn't want a team where someone is not is not pulling their weight. Because even when Aubameyang is not scoring, even with Lacazette not scoring, you see the effort on their part. Mm. And Uzul in the team, that is probably something that is not gonna gonna happen. What's gonna show up is that he's not putting in as much effort as the other guys. But if that's what's going to happen and he's going to give you about, what, five moments a game where you're going to get something that you're not getting from the other players. And as I'm saying, I brought up Partey and Gabriel because you do have better cover. You don't quite need him to track back as as as, as the other guys. And if he's not quite doing it, then you can always yank him off. And you can always then say, see, I told you guys, he's he's just not worth being in the team. Know, but I do think he, one, he probably does Cup, need a chance. There's, there's Europa... Play him and then show him this is why you're not playing. He's I really mean, not wanted at Arsenal. A famous quote by Mourinho after the 1-0 loss to Antwerp. The press keeps keeps asking me, why is this person not playing? Why is this person not playing? I hope now for a week no one's going to ask me any questions. Because Tottenham were bad. And yeah, if right. you can expose Ozil, that's why I'm glad. 
it's easy for you. But out of the blue, what's tuning king? I don't know. Free free uzo. I'm buying a yeah, free, free uzo, uzo t-shirt to go to another club. <laughs> like, did it happen? Uzo, like I said, William. William is not going name. anywhere because he's recently signed. But Tottenham is rescuing players and helping them rediscover form. On to now episode two because we've been talking about like Arsenal and it's like enough for. Do you feel better, Chuck? Not quite done. <laughs> yeah, fine. Like, so we're in a five-nil midweek. So you have foot on the weekend. Oh man, I'm in. I'm in this vicious cycle. Um, so Ozil, uh, I King, boy. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna say this now, and you'll add if you agree with me. Sure. I mean, I think Messi is another problem in a different way. Messi. And uh, this is now all for me reading an article from Musetien, their former coach, saying Messi's hard to coach. Now, what Setien says in that article is that Messi's hard to coach because, one, he's used to winning trophies and all these things. When he's not winning, he doesn't quite give him the attitude I feel now, Setien. Two, Setien would say, because as far as he knows, Messi doesn't get subbed. So even when he doesn't think Messi's playing well, <laughs> he can't sub Umchita <laughs> off. So it's hard for him to manage that situation, right? But then when I look back at other issues, like Messi's had direct beef with Opatomeu. Like, what was the beef with Arteta? Messi has beef with the president. Not the coach, the president. <laughs> and when, 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 when people like Suarez get sold to Atletico, he says nothing surprised me anymore. Like, he, he's shooting... He's I'm sorry about the, the way they treated you. Firing shots at the club, right? And then at the same time, you get Messi, and I keep saying this, this is my song on top front. Messi keeps picking up the microphone, saying we're going to win the Champions League, right? But then Messi is the same person then who's going to say, we don't have a team strong enough to win the Champions League. And you think, if I was Messi's teammate, I must take offense. And so the question is, is Messi not a problem for Barcelona? To be fair, had they come through in that game at Anfield, they would have won the Champions League. Yeah. And that, those statements that they don't have a team to win the Champions League came after that. And it would have been interesting to me, like, had they actually gone on to win the Champions League that particular season, where we would be right now in the saga that is Messi and Barcelona. But we're here now. And in the here and the now, Barcelona would be better off with that Lionel, with Lionel Messi in their team. I never thought I'd say this. But like, I'm a Real Madrid fan, and I watch Barcelona, obviously, because they're a big team. But Leo Messi is top two, my favorite players of all time. And part of the reason I watch Barcelona is to see Messi play football, because it's a wonder and it's a privilege, and we are not likely to see the likes of it in our lifetimes, probably. But recently, I have no time to even watch Messi's performances, <laughs> because I have no idea... What the heck is doing on, on, on the football pitch? On the football side. Let me just start here. On the football side, mm. he does not track back. He can lose the ball and he's literally going to watch the guy who just nicked the ball off of him just run past him and hardly make an effort to try compete against him. So essentially, when Barcelona are out of position, they are playing as though they've got one less player on the field. And that should be excusable because Leo Messi has the talent and has cut the kind of influence of at least two players in the field. But right now, I was actually thinking this to myself when I've been watching Barcelona recently. If Lionel Messi is the answer, the question in 2020 is not who's the best player in the world. That's that's That sounds blasphemous, but I can sit here and say that Lionel Messi is not the best player in the world. I don't quite know right now who I'd say holds that title, but it is not Leo Messi. And if he's not Leo Messi, then he's not offering you that premium in attack per se because Barcelona are a disjointed team. They have been for the last couple of seasons because of the recruitment policies, because they fire coaches who've won league titles for them, bringing a guy we've never heard of and who then does focal in the team, (laughs) leads them to an 8-2 defeat against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And then Leo Messi is out here talking. He's talking... He's talking against um, Abidal, his former teammate. He's talking against the board. He's talking against the board again when they let go of of Luis Suarez, his friend. And the board, uh, un- the board let go of Luis Suarez at a ridiculous price because essentially you're thinking they're trying 
to send a message to Leo Messi. And then a couple of weeks later, that board is gone. Leo Messi in the next game, in the Champions League game against Juventus, actually puts across his best performance of the season, in my opinion. And I'm watching that, I'm like, this guy's got too much power. Because he decides like when he's going to put on an effort, when he's not. He decides how he's going to play and whether he's ha- if he's happy then the team are playing better. If he's not happy, then you're going to see it in the team as well. And as Setien says, because he's, he's Leo Messi, you know, one of his kind, that when you're on the pitch with a player like that, you want to cater to him. We've seen what has happened to Griezmann. We've seen what has happened to Coutinho. They're not quite themselves, and I believe part of the reason is because they don't quite fit well around Leo Messi, who doesn't seem to actually want to accommodate those players. Leo Messi is playing for Barcelona, but he misses Xavi, he misses Iniesta, he misses Pep Guardiola. And he doesn't want to seem to realize that that is gone and maybe he wants to fall in line with what is happening in Barcelona. And if that is not the case, if the guy is going to be influencing what is happening in the board, then you know what? he He's deserved like the place that he has at Barcelona because of his performances and what he's given to the club. But if you are the organization that is FC Barcelona... You want to cut your ties with Leo Messi. It's right now. It's it's more trouble than it is worth. Yeah. So we asked the Barcelona board, in the words of my living, "What are you gonna do? <laughs> what can you do? It's it's a crazy thing." And I think Satan can say what he says because Satan, as you were saying before, with Tibrazo Mozake, and he got a job offer. He's got nothing to lose, and he's taking the the, the club to court because he wants he wants his money. And I think maybe other club, other coaches have not said these things because they still want a future in coaching in La Liga and possibly come back to the club. Asaz, maybe maybe it's been more of a problem than what we know. Asaz, but hey, Asaz, I, I I never thought I might be here saying that Messi should leave Barcelona. And I don't I didn't see maybe he's got ten more years to play. Asaz, but I didn't see the last couple of his, of Messi years being like this. Yes. Also, there going in now, and then we don't even know what to expect for when he switches clubs because we've never seen him in another club. It's it's an interesting look into the person that is Leo Messi. One, we've never known Messi to be someone who's a great talker, mm. you know, and it it kind of it kind of reveals that the issues at Argentina partly are him. Um, we've heard, we've heard though that um, in terms of Argentina, what is happening with, with with the FA of Argentina is a mess, and you've had Leo Messi um, taking players on his on his plane uh, to matches because the FA, as I'm saying, is in disarray. But he's also the same person who we've seen walk away from the national team um, and then come back into the national team, and whatever he decides, he's he's allowed to do mm-hmm. that, you know. He's like Avi Develis in that way, actually. <laughs> he really is. But now at Barcelona as well, that's why I think, you know what, rather than trying to mediate or trying to, to, to sort this thing out, just let him go where he's going to respect who he's playing with. He's going to respect Pep Guardiola. He's going to be in a new team. He's going to be the new kid on the block as much as he is who he is. There is that adjustment period. And he's going to have something to prove. And maybe that's motivation enough for him to fall in line, uh, but I don't see. I don't. I, maybe with the appointment of a new president and a new board, things might change. But do you really want to be incoming and wanna wanna deal with that, knowing that if you put one foot wrong, that reminds him of the previous board, he's gonna be out here <laughs> speaking time. against you. And <laughs> like I said, with with the former United players, he holds sway. He holds mm. a lot of influence, and you don't want the boss of faithful against you because of the things that Leo Messi is saying. So, rather have him go speak in England, where he doesn't speak much English, so he's not gonna be doing much speaking. Anyway, the nickname Chabupulengwanawatswenya. I think the crown firmly goes to Apropos. Messi now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quickly before we close off, and I know we didn't touch on the story to Derby. It's coming next week, but do you think Chiefs can pull off a miracle? Hell no. Do you Hell think no. Kevin Hunt can. <laughs> Chiefs were beaten three 0 by Sundowns, and they created a bunch of chances against Chiefs, but only one one 0 and then they come back against their biggest rivals and lose three 0 Do I think they? It's going to be the miracle at Anfield against Barcelona. Chiefs, no. Another the <laughs> no, sir. The, the miracle at uh, Soccer City, boy. You know what? Stranger things have happened in football, but 
not like in no. PSL. PSL no. can score according to script. Chiefs scoring four goals. Pirates, no response. I don't quite see that happening. If Chiefs score four goals, uh, no, let's not even go into it. I can think of it because they have a core. Yeah, it's not worth, it's not worth like even just thinking about it. If it does happen, like we're going to have an interesting conversation in the next episode, but we're not likely to because Chiefs are just not going to do it. This is Chuck saying free Uzo. Listen to us on free Uzo and on free Uzo. Ateta, free Uzo. Before we before we do go, actually, another preview. Uh, City Liverpool, yeah. is is that is that what it's been? Is that a title decider that we're going to be watching oh, no, this so weekend? For that, both teams have been subpar. And I think it's not a title decider, but I think as 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 shaky as City have been, they must be favourites going into this because Liverpool really? are up, they they have missing Van Dijk a lot, and you can tell. Um, and Firmino still not firing, and they still need to decide whether Fabio Jota or not. Thiago's not there. Liverpool haven't been themselves. So have City, but they've got De Bruyne back now, and Sterling's found a bit of form. I, th- I think I, I'd say City goes goes to win this. I say two nil. My prediction. Ferran Torres looks impressive in his movement, um, deputising for the strikers that are missing. But he's not quite a striker. Um, in the game against Sheffield. He had chances but did not convert. City came away from that game, one of winners from a Kyle Walker goal. Assisted so by De Bruyne, he's back. I don't. He's a difference maker. I, yeah, just De Bruyne wanting to be assisting Kyle Walker though. Mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they're actually favourites. Um, it's hard for me to call. Yeah, they actually. don't have. They, they don't have Van Dijk. They don't have Matip. They don't have. Ooh. Matip. Matip is back in training. Fabinho. Matip is back in is training back this week, training? yes. Matip is back in training. Do you think they'll risk it? Uh, I don't know. Um, they they might because... But then that's the thing. City are missing their strikers. But the Guerra is also back in training. So I think they will be monitoring each other in terms of what is happening on each other's side and decide probably later on in the week what they're going to do. I don't quite think... You know what? I actually do think it's... It, it's it's a title decider because watching the EPL, I don't know really who's gonna win because it's a it's a wonky season. Mm. Chelsea look good, uh, particularly now with keeping clean sheets. Uh, Tottenham are there, but we know Tottenham will fade. That's just what they do, and it does then come back to Liverpool and City. It's gonna be an interesting game. I'll say that. Uh, I can't quite call it, but if I have to call it, maybe I'll just give it to City as well. Yeah, City have to win it, man. I, 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 I. Liverpool have been labouring throughout the throughout this league since they started from the game elites. They've been labouring for wins. They haven't smashed anyone, so I don't see them breaking down. Firmino needs to sit for Jota. As Once I said about Lacazette, Linda Valle of strikers who are on the pitch not to score goals, especially yeah. now because those those two players, Mane and Salah, are, like are under tremendous pressure to just keep scoring because their other partner is not providing that. He's not providing assists as well. He's, his overall gameplay as well is down. Maybe you do move him back into the midfield and have him play as an attacking midfielder, which he was signed as. I, I just I just don't think um, Klopp will want to mess with what he has going on in, in the midfield. Thiago is going to come back into that team. I don't think there's a place then for, for Firmino to go into the midfield. But I do think... Of the little I've seen of Jota at Liverpool, he he makes runs into channels. He's lively, he's energetic, and he's scoring goals as well. So mm. he needs to find a place for him in that team. I still say City. We will see. So Chuck has already signed off. Um, I will sign off as well. Before we do close, I since I have this platform, I do wanna dedicate this one to my old man. So. Two two weeks ago, we laid my dad to rest two Saturdays ago, actually. And although my dad and myself had a contentious relationship, the thing that we always seemed to agree on was sport, which is why I'm speaking about this here. If you've listened to the podcast, you will know that I'm a Real Madrid fan, Mamelodi Sundowns and Arsenal. And while I found Real Madrid by myself... Arsenal and Sundowns is are teams that I inherited from my dad. 
we started supporting Sundowns having been KZ Chiefs fans, actually, and watching the 1998 Rothmans Cup final where Sundowns were cheated, my dad turned to me and said, we are migrating to Sundowns because though they were they were fighting against forces beyond just the team they were playing, they continued to play in that match. And that was enough to convince my dad, who was a card-carrying member of KZ Chiefs, to jump ship from Chiefs, having won the Rothmans Cup final to Sundowns which was a great decision. have no idea how he came across Arsenal, but he gave me Arsenal as well. And I remember my first time seeing Arsenal was the 99 FA Cup semi-final against Manchester United with Ryan Giggs scoring that goal, tearing off his shirt and revealing his Wolverine chest to the world. <laughs> and I knew from that moment that I knew two things. One, that we supported Arsenal, and two, that the team that we hated most was Manchester United. And on the Saturday that we laid him to rest, Sundowns beat Kaiser Chiefs 3-0. And this past weekend, Arsenal beat Manchester United. And those were some pretty good send-offs, in my opinion. It was not only football. My dad also loved boxing. He was a fan of Bungu. He was a fan of the Rose from Soweto. He was a fan of Tyson. And he was, as I found out later on, a fan of Muhammad Ali because I found tapes in the house of the Rumble in the Jungle and other such fights. He also was a fan of wrestling, which is not a sport. <laughs> and if you're over 10 years old and you think that wrestling is a sport, I feel sorry for you. I told this to my dad once, and <laughs> that did not go over quite well because he asked me the question, how the heck then is someone being hit with a chair and you're saying that's fake? I realized in that moment that, you know what, let me, ha- let, me let the old man have wrestling as a sport he was also very supportive in my own amateur career uh he bought me my first three soccer boots and when i was in grade 11 and my friends and i decided to start a football team he was the same person who also bought us the football kit that we used which was later stolen by someone but i say that to say that we did have a relationship with a sport this is these are the kind of things that sport does do um watching chasing the sun the documentary of the springboks winning the world cup there's a great emphasis on how sport does unite and bring people together. And that is something that has been true for my relationship with my dad. And from me, Wilson Jr. to Wilson Sr., I would like to say rest in peace. I can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I, I don't know. This is Chuck. I'm out. This is Jay. Peace out.